point eight to ten p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. Bertha Charuma on SAFM. And our next guest, scores of young and emerging academics will descend on the mother city to share insights on intractable national and global challenges. And I'll be joined by Professor Swart uh, to just to unpack what the you know conference is all about. Well, this was put on the shelves. Uh, that was way back in 2018 due to COVID, and they've resumed this year. And the focus is basically on innovative thinking, knowledge exchange, creative solutions. Uh, Professor Charlene Swart, good evening and a warm welcome to The Viewpoint. Thank you very much, Bertha. Good to be with you. So hundreds of young and emerging scholars, researchers, practitioners, policymakers, and students are convening Cape Town's Lagoon Beach uh, this evening and Human Sciences Research Council uh, Research Conference. And just to unpack, look, we've all been on hold for, what, two years, 2018, 19, well, about, about almost <laughs> three years. Oh, it's quite a while. It has been a while. Yeah. And coming back to reconvene and looking at innovative ways, uh, innovative thinking, uh, knowledge exchanging. Can you share a, li- a little bit more about... Yes. Uh, yes, talk to me. Yeah, sure, sure, absolutely. So the last time we had an HSRC conference was in 2018, and we've always focused on what our senior researchers, our professors and our senior academics are doing. And what we decided to do this year is to invite 150 of our young emerging researchers to start thinking, hopefully out of the box, about some of the big problems that we've got on our continent, in our country. And so this morning, Bertha, we had uh, a presentation on um, AI. Now, we've all been talking about AI, but a young researcher in his late, uh, in his early 30s spoke about what difference it can make for small business owners if they can actually start to use AI and chatbots as part of the whole department that these big corporates use and how that has already been starting to happen in India and how it could make a difference in South Africa and on the continent. Now, of course, people will lose jobs, but there will be new businesses creating new jobs where people do different things. So that was an exciting and, and new challenge um, that, that came out this morning. Um, another challenge that came out was around food security on the African continent. So a 27-year-old researcher spoke about putting an app into the hands of smallholder farmers. You don't often think about technology and smallholder farming going together. But she spoke about her work at a master's research and what it was doing to helping people get to markets, get different kinds of bags so that their produce lasted longer and get access to uh, markets. I mean, it was really, it was really inspiring. Mm. And and what would you say has been, you know, uh, the big issue being magnified or where we are lagging behind? Well, I suppose for us, um, the technology issue is that we are at the, we poise at the edge of a precipice because there's a whole generation who are going to take up AI and technology in a big way. And there's a whole generation who are just afraid of it. And I think that these young researchers are showing us that really, there's, not, there's nothing to be afraid of, but except being left behind. And so it's been a challenge to some of the more senior researchers who haven't thought about technology and how it can integrate into our health systems, into our 
farming into our educational systems. And I think that's been a big challenge for us so far. And we only just finished the first day of a two-day conference. Mm. So let's say, like you've just highlighted, somebody came up with an app, uh, an app for, for, for farmers, you know, food security being the big issue. How do you then protect yourself in terms of you've created this, this, this app, but also you need rights? How do you then protect yourself? Because once you share it, you look, it's, it's, it's open for corruption. Yeah, sure. Well, I, I suppose it's not the corruption issue that, that for us is the big deal and that she was highlighting. It was getting sustainable usage out of the app. So some of the small-scale farmers that she's worked with, for example, couldn't uh, afford to keep um, <laughs> running the data that they needed for their smartphone. And so that was the big issue, was how do you make sure that there's enough electricity for people to charge their phones and enough money for them to be able to buy data for the app? And so it all addresses this issue both of electricity security, but also of this, uh, the need for us to um, have cheaper data in our country. Mm. And at this conference, whom have you found to be more, uh, you know, ready, ready participant and maybe from a gender perspective? Because, look, we are also trying to drive our girl child to not be to be fearless yeah, and engage yeah. as much as they can. Well, I'm very happy to report that we certainly have more young women than young men presenting. And what we've done is in preparation for the conference, we sent everybody on presenter boot camp because I think one of the things that happens is that people, young people especially, are afraid of speaking out, even if they've got really good ideas. And so we've really um, asked our senior colleagues from all around the country, from the Human Sciences Research Council, but also from the university, to mentor the presenters. And I think we can see the results. It's making a huge difference to people's confidence, to them bringing their ideas into the public space. Now, tell me, do you have any um, form of projects, let's say, for instance, for those students that are not necessarily academics, you know, where maybe someone most probably did not get their basic degree, but they are very innovative and, 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 and can come up with amazing ideas that they can implement? Are there any programs readily available for such individuals? So not programs to say, but one of the things that we're trying to do at the HSRC is to work with communities as being people um, who have really good ideas and trying to tap into those ideas and then amplify them. So for us, we've got some really good goals um, for the next coming years of working more closely with communities, with youth organizations, with farming organizations, with technology companies, but kind of the grassroots um, uh, kinds of institutions in order to be able to amplify those ideas. We've got a very large internship program for students, um, but with NGOs, it's really trying to develop those uh, linkages in order to amplify them. Mm. And, you know, my, my question really came because when I look at China, uh, they don't wait until someone is of a certain age or they've completed a certain education. They start teaching their children from a very tender young age. I mean, like they, could, they start looking at, at uh, you know, technical stuff or creative or innovative um, creations at maybe even seven or eight. Sure. And well. hopefully that we need to take a page or two from them because it seems like it has worked for them. 
No, that's absolutely right. The problem, of course, is that we are still um, struggling to make sure that young people and children in our schooling system are able to read for meaning and do basic computation. So we do have a, a problem in our education system, but I think you're completely right. We've got to not just get ahead of it. We've actually got to start getting young people and children to contribute to ideas for change in our country. Just to let our listeners know, we uh, I'm chatting to our guest, Professor Charlene Swart, and she is executive head in the Equitable Education and Economies um, Research Division. And there is a conference taking place um, in Cape Town and young minds coming together and creating innovative ideas or bringing innovative ideas to life and sharing and exchanging knowledge and, of course, creative solutions. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, Lord, shedding needs to end. And I think the conference most probably has triggered that. And hopefully, when we get back from uh, our small break, I would like to uh, touch on that note of load shedding. If somebody has come up with something that can give us light 24, 24 hours. But stay on the line for me, uh, Prof. We'll be back. Thank you, Bertha. So... I was. I just threw this one. Literally, is I'm shooting from the hip here. Where um, <laughs> have you experienced, or has anyone shared any innovative ways to mitigate what we are going through right now to get rid of this darkness once and for all? <laughs> That's the big question, and it's the million-dollar question. And because we're not an industrial um, scientific council, we're a human social sciences council. Um, you know, in South Africa, what we've been talking about is what happens uh, about the terminology. So load shedding is actually, we talk about it and we kind of, you know, we mock it a little bit. But actually, Nigeria experienced a blackout just a couple of days ago. The state of California in the United States sometimes experiences blackouts where the whole grid fails. So in one sense, one of the things, one of the messages that we're thinking about is that we're managing this, uh, our electricity grid so that we don't have a complete uh, blackout. But I know that that's not a, a, a lot to look forward to. The thing that we can look forward to is this, that we must start using renewables, but we've got to make sure that it's not just the wealthy who start putting solar into the, the local houses, but that businesses and small businesses and cooperatives club together in order to make sure that there's some solar electricity in uh, township areas, in, um, in small businesses, etc. So I think those are some of the, the issues that we're thinking about. Um, I don't think that our researchers are thinking about how we stop the, the issue of, of load shedding right now because it is such a complex issue. It's issues of procurement and neglect of power stations and all of those issues are some things, uh, are things that are actually almost uh, a little bit too challenging for this group of social scientists to look at, but they are looking at an example. Let's stop. Uh, let's ensure that um, not only the wealthy are able to, you know, develop and procure renewables like solar energy. Mm. And um, you do hi- you highlighted the the you know the two very important researchers that that really caught your eye. Are there any that um, also were presented, any, any, any innovative ideas that were presented and that look lucrative where they could be implemented like ASAP? Well, um, I, think, I think the day has been so full, um, but I think for me one of the things that stood out is the power of young people to act to bring about change at both the local community level and then to make sure that their voices are heard going up the kind of 
chain of policymakers and making sure that clear now in South Africa we are used to young people raising their voices on campuses. Um, but actually what we're hearing about now at the conference is how young people can actually make a difference at multiple levels, whether it comes to an NGO that is um, kind of helping each other, young people teach each other about climate change, young people helping each other get ahead of the tech revolution. Those are some of the, the things that I think we're hearing about again, which is not new because I think it happened in the 80s and, and during the dark days of apartheid. You know, each one teach one was a big uh, part of uh, uh, emancipation of young people in our country. And I think what I'm hearing today is that at grassroots level, at community level, young people are really able to help each other um, get ahead and get out of some of the big intractable problems of our times at small scale, but we hope that that will be able to be built into something more sustainable and something that will catch the eye and the pen of our lawmakers. Mm. And um, one of your um, keynote address speakers, Chidong yeah. Pemba from the African Union Youth Envoy, uh, delivered her address on the first day. Yeah. And how 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 was it? Because, I mean, for you to be that young and to be a professor, that must take quite a bit. <laughs> well, we were all absolutely, uh, we just all loved her address. She spoke about one young woman who lives in a, uh, a town somewhere on the continent and who is not able to study. But actually through just determination of speaking with elders, of speaking with community-level um, activists, has really just grown her own ability to get ahead, but also to bring others with her. And that's the kind of thing that the Sustainable Millennial Development Goals are really um, attempting to do. So the African envoy, Chida Mpemba, um, was speaking to us from um, New York this morning because the United Nations General Assembly opens uh, today. And one of the things that the General Assembly is going to be concerned about is how far are we towards achieving the Sustainable Development Goals and decent work, clean water, um, the alleviation of poverty are all part of those sustainable development goals that she's really um, kind of interested in working towards and that she was so delighted to be able to open this conference with, you know, 150 young minds and um, challenge us, challenge all of the, the young researchers present to really uh, put in their best effort. This is not just about getting an academic degree, but really about changing people's lives. A young woman in a small town, you know, in, in Ghana or in... Uh, That's true. And um, this year being a comeback year, um, is this going to continue happening as um, next year? And if so, uh, where do we find more information? Who do we speak to? Sure. So I think um, the best uh, people to speak to would be just our um, corporate communications people at the HSRC. We really do want to um, think about what we do next because we also want to make sure that we don't lose the focus on our senior academics because they've got such a lot, a lot of experience in the field. But we want to nurture this emerging researcher idea and make sure that people are equipped to be able to bring their voices into um, the marketplace of ideas. And so one of the things that we've done in the conference is we've made sure that there's been displays of ideas. And so, so many of them have actually been documentaries and visual uh, displays of, of ideas. And those things, we want to make sure that uh, they get amplified in the media, but also to NGOs and to policymakers. So watch the space. We definitely are going to have another one of these very soon. Uh, Professor Charlene Swart, thank you so much for joining us on The Viewpoint uh, this evening and have yourself um, a great evening.
Thank you very much, Peter. And bye-bye for now.